and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. We have been studying Ephesians last week. Um, Grace did a wonderful teaching on the um, end of chapter 4, and, well, no, actually chapter 5, from chapter the beginning of it up into verse 20. So let's go now to Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll be beginning in verse 21. Just to give you the context, since it doesn't begin with a fresh sentence, verse 20 said, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now we begin with verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear or reverence of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the reverence or respect for God. And this begins now a section that deals with specific arrangements in the church, in the body of Christ. That word submit is an important word to understand, and it comes up not only in this verse, but in the following verse. And it's a very important word to understand because of the context that it's used in and because of the misunderstanding that people have of what that word means. It comes from a Greek word. The Greek word for submit is hupotasso. Hupotasso. Hupo means under, and tasso means to arrange, ordain, determine. And A very good definition of the word is loving obedience through through deliberate decision and proper arrangement. It has to do with the order that God set in the church and for how relationships would be carried out. Have you ever had a group of people together where something needed to get done and nobody was clearly in charge of that effort. Yes. Did it work well? No. no. It just gets to be confusion. And you know, you've got a couple of different things that might happen. You might have some person who takes it upon themselves to just be that take charge person. And depending on the dynamic of the rest of that group, they may be happy to go along with that. Or they may be Well, who does this guy think he is giving orders? Or nobody wants to be that guy that everybody's saying, who does this guy think he is? So nobody steps up and everybody kind of falls all over themselves to not be that person. And then nothing gets done well. And efforts become duplicated and things don't get done. Because anytime you've got, honestly, even a couple of people together, and there really has to be some effort done, somebody's got to take a lead. Now you can have degrees of collaboration, and that certainly works. And one of the problems as we get into this word 
and how it's used, not only in this verse, but boy, we really, well, let's, let's, let's get there if we're going to talk about this because most people don't have a problem with it as it shows up in this verse, but then we really run into trouble in the next one. Mm. Because the next verse says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And that's where the trouble begins. Mm-hmm. Not for everybody, but there are some women that object to that. Some women that are, are, are very offended at that verse. And people who even talk about, you know, well, what do you think, you know, oh, you, you're, you, you read the church epistles? Well, what do you think of Paul's attitude about women? Well, I think Paul's attitude is God's attitude because it's written by revelation. So if we're going to be really fair here, let's talk about God's attitude about women because if, you've got, if you have a problem, and let me say this before I go farther, so much of the problem is not with what the truth behind this verse is, but the way that people have misunderstood it. What has been done in the name of this verse how this has been implemented, how it's been carried out, so much of that is the root of the real problem. But that said, do understand that this is what God says. This is God's arrangement. This is God's arrangement. So if ultimately in the end, and after you understand what it really means, if you, if you have a problem with it, well, then your problem is with God. Okay. And you know what? Next time around, when you get to be God, you can do it different. But this is the way that God set it up. This is the way that God arranged things to be. It begins again here in verse 20, or 21, saying, Submit yourselves. This is addressed to whom? Everybody. Not just women, not just employees, not just children. Not these other relationships that we're going to see further delineated as we go into the following verses, but to everyone, to everyone. So before we ever start dealing with anybody else, this is not something that God says, well, I like men better than women, or I like you know, masters better than servants, or parents better than children. Everybody, everybody has to do this. Everybody is to Submit, to subject themselves because of deliberate decision and proper arrangement. Loving obedience through deliberate decision and proper arrangement. You decide. You decide. It's like everything else. You decide. You decide. You know, I was the kind of fellow before I got in the Word, and, and in certain circumstances, I'm, I'm probably just as ornery, that, you know, I don't like anybody telling me what to do, period. And I wasn't willing for anybody to tell me what to do in any situation. And, and yet, once, once I understood the order God set in the church, and why it worked that way, and what the purpose behind it was, I had no problem at all. I had no problem with being under the leadership of somebody else. Absolutely not. Because I understand that this is the way that God set it up so that the body could function right. 
let's talk about it from the perspective of the body. Because if any of this is going to work right, it has to work within the context of the whole body of Christ. It has to work within that context or it doesn't work. It doesn't work right. And that's when you do get men that have an attitude of, I'm the head of the house and I'm going to rule the roost. And, you know, kind of that for you old people, Ralph Cramden, you know, bang, zoom, right to the moon and, you know, that kind of attitude. And that's not what it is. That's not what it is. You know, and because there's in people's minds that idea, that concept, and maybe they've seen that actually done, or maybe it's just become such a stereotype, such, such a, you know, parody of this whole thing that's so often played out in TV shows and movies and referred to all the time. Maybe that exists in people's minds because of that. Whatever the case may be, that's not it. Nor, as we get into specifically the marriage relationship, should it be that, you know, well, I'm okay with not being the head and, and you know, we can just be 50-50 equal partners. And that's not it either. But if the husband-wife relationship that's going to be described here, or the parent-children one, or the employer-employee, if any of that is going to work, it has to work within the understanding of the entire body of Christ. Does this hand just do what what it wants on its own? No. No. You know, because like maybe then it would... No. What directs this hand? Your head. My head. Okay? My head. What directs my foot? My head. What directs the entire body? Your head. Your head. What directs the body of Christ? The head. Who's the head? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of the body. If it it's all going to work, if any of it's going to work, it has to be within that framework. If Jesus Christ is not the one directing the other members, it doesn't work. It doesn't work right. It doesn't work right. You know, only then, only then does it work. You know, another place where this verse is used, this, or not this verse, where this word is used, you know, we won't turn there, but it's used in, in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject, there's the word, unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. I thought that was it. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment. Okay. So, there you've got the whole body being told to be subject unto the higher powers. Who are the higher powers? The, the governments and whatever particular Republicans, Democrats, whoever's in charge at that time. Am I supposed to be subject to you know every crazy person on a zoning board? Is that what it is? And so if they say you can't do fellowship in your house, then well, I gotta follow it. No, that's just silly. The higher powers, the context, it's the church. It's the church, the higher powers in the church, those that are in positions of leadership within the body of Christ. Now 
So does that mean that person's the great one? <gasps> Ooh, that's the right reverend so-and-so, or, or, you know, cardinal so-and-so, or bishop so-and-so, or you name it. Is that what it's... No. 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 It's talking about the leadership in the church, and it's talking about them following the head, Jesus Christ. Because the only way that works, the only way this works, is if it's ultimately Christ directing each member. But there's order and there's structure to this physical body. So this hand is connected to the rest of the arm, and it doesn't function without it, and one leads the other, and so forth. And so it is with the church, God set it up. God set it up for there to be members directing. And that can change from one day to the next and from one situation to the next. You know, generally about three days a week, two, three days a week, I work for Mike. And when we're at work, he's the boss. Now, you know, he doesn't bark orders at me all day and, you know, all right, I'm the boss. And you, he's a nice boss. He's a nice guy to work for. He's easy to work. But I got no problem. I've got no problem with that. I've got no problem with that. And here we are now. I'm running this meeting. And I don't say, okay, Mike, what should we do? How should I run this meeting? If we're at work, you know, well, how do you want this painted? But here in this situation, do I do that? No. Because here in this situation, I'm the guy running it, right? Yeah. And I, I don't think I've been barking orders at anybody or been too tough to take. You see, it's what's necessary to see that the needs are getting taken care of. That's why. To see that everybody's needs are met, to see that everybody's the most blessed, to see that the work is getting done. When we're painting, the work getting done is getting that wall painted. Here, the work of the ministry is the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the job. That's the job. And in that same manner, and for that same logic, then God has set other proper arrangements as you get into more specific groups within the body of Christ. And the first one, then, that we come across is the arrangement of husbands and wives. In verse 22, Wives, submit, lovingly subject yourselves unto your own husbands. Has unto whom? The Lord. Has unto the Lord. That doesn't mean that your husband's so perfect he's like Jesus Christ. That's not what it's talking about. It's in the same manner, understanding that if that husband is walking with God, if he is making decisions because the the Word of God, and the Spirit of God direct him, well, then that's a safe person to follow. And that you're doing it just recognizing that this is God working through his Word, through that Spirit of God, to, to bless and most take care of everyone involved. Starting right with the wife, but then moving on when there's children to the whole family. Verse 23. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And that's the arrangement. But again, the, the emphasis there is that Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the one, ultimately, that everybody in this arrangement has to be following. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Just as the church is subject unto Christ. Now, is Christ a tough one to be subject to? Is Jesus Christ hard to, is he like all filled with pride? No. And in the same manner, that's how husbands are to act. But just as out of that recognition, not only of the arrangement, but the love that Jesus Christ has and what he gave, out of the recognition of that, then lovingly we respond. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And everything that's, you know, whenever you come across that, that word every, it's just like the word all. It's a synonym for all. And you always have to ask yourself, is that all without exception or all with distinction? Because there's a difference. In everything doesn't mean, okay, honey, I was thinking about having pork chops tonight or chicken. What should I do? Okay, honey, I was thinking about wearing my blue dress or my red dress. What should I? No. It doesn't mean that in everything, the woman can never make decisions, that she has to clear everything with the husband. That's not what it's talking about. But there are those matters, and, and certainly when we're talking about husbands and wives, there are to be one flesh. There are to be, God made the, the woman to be the companion, to be the helpmate. You know, because he recognized that it wasn't good for man to dwell alone and that he needed help. And like I pointed out in the wedding I did this past week, that was at a time of literally a perfect world. Isn't that interesting? That even in a perfect world, man still needs help. We still need help, even in a perfect world. That was before the fall. We need that. We need help and we need for that arrangement to be such so that that man can really take care of the woman the way that God's given him that responsibility to do. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it, sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water, of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Husbands, they're instructed to love their wives. And it's set according to a very high standard. To love their wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus Christ had no limit. He had no limit to that love. And he loved that church, like Grace pointed out, no matter how that church treated him. 
when Israel, the church of the bride, when Israel rejected the Savior, when they called for him to be crucified, when they turned their back, when they spit in his face, he still loved enough to give his life. Now that's a pretty high standard, isn't it? You know, it's not like, well, men are the ones that have it easy in this relationship. They're held to that standard, to love that big, to love no matter what, and to give without any reservation. You know, suppose the, the wife isn't kind to the husband. Suppose she doesn't do her job. Suppose she doesn't respect him. Is he still responsible to love her this way? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 28 says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Reminds me of that happy wife, happy life. <laughs> he that loves his wife loves himself. Okay, But it's not just because, well, you know, then she'll be happy and, and then life will be peaceful. And No. He that loves his wife loves himself because, as you will get to, they are one flesh. They are one flesh. And boy, when you love the wife in that manner, then... It's not that there's this separation. Husbands and wives should be so on the same page, so unified, so like-minded, that this should not be a hard thing to do. It shouldn't be a hard thing for the woman to be subject to that man, and if he's acting like Jesus Christ, it won't be. And if he's loving her that way, it won't be. When it's done right, everything just flows. And that man, when he has that wonderful woman who treats him in that way, then it should be an easy thing for him to love her without reservation. Verse 29 says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. And people say, oh, you know, I don't like myself. I, you know, I don't like myself. Okay. But nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. You know, man nourishes and cherishes his own flesh. People say, oh, I don't like myself. Do you feed yourself? Do you feed yourself? <laughs> okay. When you get hurt, do you, do you put a Band-Aid on it? And I know a lot of people don't. You know, do you? You bet. You bet. You know, when you get hurt, oh, I hurt my arm. I got to take care of it. I got to protect it. Because that's what you do. That's what you do. Nobody hates their own flesh. You, you feed it when it says it's hungry. Man. Well, I, I'm hungry. I've got to stop everything and get something to eat. And when you hurt yourself, you stub your toe, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. <laughs> until, until that feels better, that's just the end of the world. We nourish, we cherish our own flesh. And we are to be that way when it comes to the wife. That we're to nourish and cherish. Nourish, not just, you know, Here's a burger, honey, but nourish with the word. Yeah. Nourish her and, and cherish her. Cherish her. That's what men are to do. And then verse, and again, what's the ultimate standard? Even has the Lord the church. I, I forget now. I counted it up at one time. Go back and read it sometime, and you count it up. You can count. 
Count up how many times Lord is said in this context here. It's Lord, 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 Lord. That's the standard. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus Christ as Lord and the members working with him in the arrangement God has set. For we are members, we, everybody, husbands, wives, kids, everybody, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. It's all about the body of Christ ultimately working the way that God wants it to. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. That truth is repeated, it's, it's first introduced when, when God first makes woman, and then it's re, back in Genesis, and then it's repeated in, in the Gospels, and it's repeated here. And that great truth of, for this cause, man shall leave his father and mother, and everyone else, leave them behind, not that he can't ever say hi to mom and dad, or, but... It's a new, somebody else is more important in his life. And cleave, cleave unto that wife, and then they become one flesh. That's the order. Leave, cleave, and become one flesh. One flesh. One flesh where, man, that one is so much greater and stronger than the two individuals ever could be alone. You know, it's like that wonderful illustration that my wife is fond of using about when two oxen, is it? Horses. horses. Horses are hitched together. How much they can pull as a team is really something. Let's say, how much could one horse pull? Say we'll say one horse could pull a 1,000 pounds. Okay, I'm not sure they could. These are big farm horses. I've seen that at the State Fair. They, man, those, yeah. they pull tractors loaded down. So let's say one horse can pull a 1,000 pounds. And so let's say you got another horse just as big next to him. You'd think that together they could pull 2,000 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. You would think that. But it's how much? Like three, or three, or, three or four? Mm -hmm. Way more. Way more. Yeah. And because they become just one in that situation. And that's, that's that one flesh. That we can accomplish so much more together than the, you know, the sum is greater than the, what are they, how's that go? the sum of the parts, so much more. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. That one flesh, that whole, is so much greater. And then verse 32 says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. It's a great mystery how those two can become one flesh, and yet this mystery is being used to signify, to demonstrate, to exhibit, to explain some uh, even greater mystery, and that's the mystery of the one body. These two individuals become one flesh just as all these individual members become one body, one body. The church, the body of Christ. And again, it all comes back to that. Nevertheless, verse 33 let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And there it's just kind of so neatly summed up. Men are to love the wife as themselves. Women are to, to reverence, to respect the husband. And you know what? God arranged it that way because that's the way he made man and woman. 
It's the way he made them. And the thing that man most needs from that woman is to know that she thinks that he is the greatest thing in the world, that she just looks up to him, that she respects him. He needs that. He needs to know that she thinks the world of him. And the thing she most needs from him is just to know how much he loves her, how much he loves her. That's how God set it up. Now, you can try going about it other ways, but the way it's going to work best is like that. And then in chapter 6, we get into other arrangements and orders, but we'll save that for next time. God bless. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.